Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life. Great to be doing another new episode as opposed to a uh, another best of episode. I'm slowly getting my schedule back in order here. And uh, for the first time in I don't know how long, I was able to actually start into my research again. So before too long here, we will see a feature length episode, which will uh, include some in-depth letters, uh, just like we used to do way back in the day before my schedule got turned into a dumpster fire. So good news on that front. Now for this episode, keep it simple. I wanted to really talk about a couple of things. I wanted to kind of, I wanted to finish off what we were talking about on the previous episode about the balance of a republic. Because I found some more words of wisdom from John Adams that also dovetail with another topic. And, you know, it's kind of a broader topic of why in the world do I study the Founding Fathers and talk about them the way that I do? Why do I do a podcast on it? What, we, what am I doing here? And it, despite the fact that my, my schedule is a t- total dumpster fire right now, why am I why am I still doing this podcast? Why am I sticking to it? Because, again, I, I don't get paid to do this. I'm not a million-dollar podcaster. I'm just a regular guy. I have no staff. Uh, it's literally just me, myself, and I. We're the three of us together. We uh, we do the podcast. And uh, the podcast costs me money. It does not make me money. So why in the world am I here? Why am I doing this? Well, John Adams, true to form, is going to answer that question for us as our guest on the podcast here today. I've got a, uh, a quote from Mr. Adams from some of his writings in uh, approximately between 1787-1789. I have a hard time pinning down some of these writings. I don't know exactly what day he penned this because it's not a letter. Uh, it's from some of his other writings. Letters are easy to pin down because those are typically written in one day, or maybe they're mailed in one day. They typically have a date stamped on them somewhere. So we have a uh, we have a firm date as to when John Adams wrote whatever it is he wrote when he's writing the letters. When he's writing some of his more lengthy discourses, then we have a uh, not a precise date. We just have a roundabout date. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read this quote to you, and hopefully you find this. As fascinating as I do. It's kind of an inspiration. And that's partly what this episode is intended to do, is kind of round off again the balance of a republic and show you what it's what inspires me to study this stuff. And hopefully it inspires somebody else out there who may not be so inclined to study this stuff just yet and stick around on the podcast for any length of time. But I quote, After all, let us compare every constitution we have seen with those of the United States of America, and we shall have no reason to blush for our country. On the contrary, We shall feel the strongest motives to fall upon our knees in gratitude to heaven for having been graciously pleased to give us birth and education in that country, and for having destined us to live under her laws. We shall have reason to exult if we make our comparison with England and the English Constitution. Our people are undoubtedly sovereign. All the landed and other property is in the hands of the citizen, not only their representatives, but their senators and governors are annually chosen. There are no hereditary titles, honors, offices, or distinctions. The legislative, executive, and judicial powers are carefully separated from each other. Powers of the one, the few, and the many are nicely balanced in the legislatures. Trials by jury are preserved in all their glory, and there is no standing army. The habeas corpus is in full force. The press is the most free in the world. Where all these circumstances take place, it is unnecessary to add that the laws alone can govern, end quote. 
Do you find that inspirational? Because I do. And honestly, I think most Americans could find that to be a wake-up call. A wake-up call. Now, what do I mean by that? Again, I quote, Let us compare every constitution we have seen with those of the United States of America, and we shall have no reason to blush for our country. On the contrary, we shall feel the strongest motives to fall upon our knees in gratitude to heaven for having been graciously pleased to give us birth and education in that country, and for having destined us to live under her laws. End quote. How fortunate we are in the United States of America to have had the great honor of being either born in the United States of America or having arrived here by some means, hopefully legal, and have the opportunity to live under the laws of the United States of America. Now, these laws are obviously different today than they were during John Adams' time. There's a lot more of them. Uh, the uh, number of laws there are today on the books in the states and also in the general government are quite lengthy. And I think that could probably be pared back some. I think there's probably too many. But nonetheless, you know, we still have that same constitution that John Adams is talking about. For the most part, it's been amended, you know, more than 20 times. But, but that's what John Adams is talking about. You know, he's talking about this, you know, there are, a, there are a lot darker places on the planet than the United States of America. There's some truly horrible nightmares to behold on this planet. And yet we still get so many complaints here in the United States. And it's usually over frivolous crap. I don't mind people, frankly, complaining about legitimate stuff. I really don't. I do a little bit of that myself. Like when I say there's too many laws on the books in the United States of America, that's me complaining about something that's legitimate. But again, quote, We shall feel the strongest motives to fall upon our knees in gratitude to heaven for having been graciously pleased to give us birth and education in that country. That is to say, the United States. He later talks about the balance of the Republic. And I quote, the powers of the one, the few, and the many are nicely balanced in the legislatures. Trials by jury are preserved in all their glory, and there is no standing army, end quote. Of course, we do have a standing army today, but again, this kind of, this, this again gets to that whole thing I was talking about, about standing army. I'll get to that here in a minute, but he talks about the balance of power, you know, and he, he did talk about the executive, the judicial, and the uh, legislature being divided which is how it should be. More and more in the United States, what we see is we see the legislative powers being concentrated not in the legislature, but being dispersed across the legislature, executive, and judicial, don't we? Tell me we don't see that. And I know some people out there are going to be like, Roman, what are you talking about? There's no legislative powers in the executive or the judicial branches of the government. You lunatic, how dare you? How dare you say that there's a... Yeah, I know. But, you know, when, when you have such regulatory authority in, in the executive branch as we do, the ability to make regulations out of, out of whole cloth, I mean, just invent them. I mean, what, what is that but legislative-type powers? I mean, they basically write up new laws, essentially, regulations, etc. That's legislative power, more or less, that's been delegated from the legislature to the executive. Some people think that's okay. Some people think that's normal. I, you know, I see a breakdown in the division of that balance of power that John Adams was talking about. And we see the same thing in the uh, judicial. Uh, some people call it judicial activism, uh, when judges decide to interpret new things into the law that were not there before. We see that happen at times with the First Amendment. We see that happen at, happen at times with the Second Amendment. We see that happen at times with the Eighth Amendment. We see that happen at times with the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, and we definitely see it happen at times with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. I mean, that, that there's, there's examples that stretch longer than my arm 
uh, about that. So this balance of power was very important to Mr. Adams. He he makes he made sure to mention it there and how wonderful it was. Very interesting. And he talks about there is no standing army. Of course, again, we have a standing army today, and I don't think we can avoid that in this day and age. And I honestly, I believe that Mr. Adams would agree with me. Uh, in the world that we live in today, we can't we can't avoid a standing army. We just we have to have one, and it has to be a rather rather large and powerful standing military. Unfortunately, I wish that weren't the case. I wish we could go back to a time before World War II when the United States really had no standing army to speak of. The 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 United States military, especially before World War One, was a joke. I mean, after the Civil War and before World War One, I, I mean, with the exception of the Spanish American War, the United States military was largely a joke. And I like that. Roman, how dare you? How dare you say that you want the American military to be a joke? Well, it signals a certain kind of peace and security in the world, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. And it also, you know, means that the military cannot be a threat to the people. Because why do you think Mr. Adams is talking about this in this in this writing here? Because he believes that standing militaries are a threat to the people. And they are. They always have been. And they always will be. And if you haven't come to understand that yet, having listened to this podcast for quite some time, hopefully, uh, assuming this isn't your first episode, then it's, there, believe me, there's going to be plenty more examples to follow, but frankly speaking, I've laid it on pretty thick, uh, using really good examples from the letters. Should be clear. But Mr. Adams really enjoyed this balance uh, in the government, and so do I. So my inspiration to read more of John Adams and the Founding Fathers and to study these guys and to do this podcast really stems from the, the inspirational words of Mr. Adams saying that we should have, quote, gratitude to heaven, end quote, uh, for having been born in the United States of America, etc., etc. And honestly, there's a, there's a lot of wisdom and intelligence that came out of that particular event, that is to say, the American Revolution. There, there was a great deal of wisdom that came out of that because some of the finest minds in the world, in my opinion, had to come together and figure out a way to make this country work in ways that most other countries didn't work. You know, that most other countries were under some kind of tyranny. We didn't want that here. So how do you how do you work it? How do you get a country that doesn't have some kind of royalty or tyranny? Well, they, they had to really, really cobble together all the knowledge of wisdom of history to make it happen, and they did for the most part, with some exceptions. Like I said, there was still one major issue that was left unresolved. Some of them tried to resolve it, by the way. It wasn't ignored. It was just very difficult to solve the problem at the time. But at least they laid the groundwork for it. They laid a foundation and a cornerstone, and the United States, in a world of darkness for the most part, was a, was a beacon of light. And that's why so many people came here. I mean, if the United States is what some people claim it is, people would be leaving this country in droves and not a single human being on the face of the planet would dare cross that border because they would know this country to be some kind of a walking nightmare. But it's not. It really isn't, which is why people flock here in droves, and especially after the United States declared independence from Great Britain. I mean, it takes a it takes a massive migration to fill up that much real estate from sea to sea, border to border, in that short period of time. And that's exactly what happened. And I believe that those people came because they were inspired the same way I'm inspired to do this podcast and study the Founding Fathers, even if they didn't realize why. I think they came for the same reason. And it's what John Adams talks about right here when he says, quote, We shall feel the strongest motives to fall upon our knees in gratitude to heaven for having been graciously pleased to give us birth and education in that country, end quote. That's inspirational. Mr. Adams gives us sufficient inspiration 
to study the Founding Fathers and the Revolutionary War. Now, why is that? Why is it an inspiration to study what happened? Because, you know, if you really truly appreciate the United States in some particular kind of way, and there's things to not like about it, there's things I don't like about it. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. And there's things I don't like about the United States Constitution. Dead serious. And we're going to talk about those when we get down the road, when we actually take apart the Constitution and talk about it piece by piece. I'll I'll talk about that. But for the most part, it's it's a good document. And the Bill of Rights is fantastic. It's fantastic. But if you if you truly appreciate any of those things, whether it be the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, you, you kind you really should want to know where it came from and who who did it, who's responsible for it. Why did they do it? Why in the world did they actually go about doing that? And why didn't they do something else? Like create a tyranny, create nothing but nonstop, never ending oppression from one from one colony to the next. Why didn't they do that? You ever ask yourself that question? Nobody ever really does. We just take it for granted that they didn't do that. Why didn't George Washington just set himself up to be some kind of a despot king? Because he very well could have. He could have easily done it. Why didn't he do that? Because, I mean, any politician in the United States today, for the most part, would have a real hard time doing what George Washington did, which was basically just leave and go back to his farm. I mean, show me a politician that can leave Washington, D.C. and just go back to their farm. There aren't very many of them. There's a few, but not very many. They, they seem to never leave that town. Or the area around it. I can I can name senators that I have seen retire from the United States Senate, and they're from some state clear across the country from Washington D.C., but they stay in Northern Virginia. They don't leave. I, I was very str- I may tell this story one day. I was very struck one day. I'm watching a Senate confirmation hearing for a, a presidential nominee to a particular post because this is what I do in my spare time, and I see a particular former United States senator come into the chamber who's been retired for a very very long time since I was a kid. And this is not that long ago. And I'm thinking to myself, what is he doing there? What's he doing there? And then I figure out he never left. He didn't go back to the state where he came from, where he was a senator. He stayed around Washington, D.C. Why? Because he's addicted to the power, the attention, the culture, the environment. He's an addict. He's a junkie. And I don't choose those words lightly. He's a junkie. Most of them are. Do you think those people could pull off what George Washington did and just leave and go back to their farm? You think they could pull off what John Adams did and just leave and go back to their farm? No, they wouldn't be able to do what John Adams did and just go back to the farm because they're junkies. And that's what junkies do. They, they stick around. Now, I'll try to I'll try not to, you know, dwell too much on the junkies in Washington, D.C. because I'm trying to keep this this episode positive. We really do got to have some positive episodes every once in a while because this uh, this period of time that we're in 1774 to 75 is a very dark period in time. But um, aside from that, you know, I mean, the, the people who did the revolution, the way they did it, for the most part, is inspiring. It truly is inspiring, isn't it? Because it, good grief, it could have gone so much different. People don't even realize. People think it was bad and the Founding Fathers made mistakes. And of course they did. They're people for crying out loud. Of course they made mistakes. But my gosh, it could have been so much worse than it was. And they laid one heck of a foundation. They laid one heck of a foundation down for us. I mean, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, that paved the way for everything good that came after. The only reason anything, anything good came about in this country is because of the fairly well-written state constitutions amongst the several states, but also the general constitution and especially the Bill of Rights. And the Founding Fathers did all of it. They were, they were in large measure responsible for the state constitutions, and they were in large measure responsible for the general constitution and the Bill of Rights. We've talked about that. Very inspirational stuff, you know, and I, I continue to, uh, to be amazed by that. But I think this was a particularly good paragraph by Mr. Adams, the one I just read. 
It really talks about that, the inspiration of what was created here, the beauty of it, and then that balance that was created by it. And that the balance is what's going to keep it going. So again, you want to know the reason why I dwell on this thing called the the balance of the Republic so much. Why did I do an episode about it? Why do I talk about the separation of powers? And why did I talk so much about the United States Senate being necessary to offset the weight of the more populous states versus the least populous states? It's for this very reason. The only way this thing continues to work is if we maintain that balance. Which is why I say again, some people are going to think I was harsh about this, that if they ever get rid of the Electoral College, all of the smaller states, that is to say smaller states by population, not geography, should just leave the Union. And I'm dead serious about that. Now, some people think that's treasonous talk. No, it's not. Those states signed up for a constitution that guaranteed their rights. And the Electoral College helps to do that by making sure that they are not completely overwhelmed by the more populous states. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, once if you get rid of the Electoral College, it's really going to be about 10 states that decide the election, as opposed to the 50 states coming together and doing this as a team. It's really just going to be 10 states, if that. Does that sound like a good idea? Doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Sounds stupid. That sounds like a tyranny in the making. I don't want to live under a tyranny, and I don't think anybody should. So if it ever happens, smaller states, leave the union. This is not what you signed up for. This is not the country you signed up for. Now, thank goodness I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, you'd have to have a constitutional amendment to overwrite that electoral college. The thing is, I mean, they're, they're working really hard on that. There is a particular group of folks that are trying to do it two ways. They're trying to do it the, through the front door and they're trying to do it through the back door. There is, a, there is a movement underway to try to do a backdoor elimination of the electoral college. I'm not making that up. If you want to do some research into that, knock yourself out. You'll find some very disturbing material on the internet. It's it's basically a group of people trying to destroy the Republic of the United States of America. And I'm not making I'm not I'm not trying to be dramatic. That's just that's just reality. And that's what they're doing. They they would say, "Wow, we're trying to make it more fair. We we want a popular vote to 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 be the thing." And yeah, well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You don't just have a majority of people push around a smaller number of people. That's not how that's supposed to work in the United States. Does that sound does that sound accurate to you folks out there? Do you want a lo- the, the large majority of people in the United States to just push around and bully around the rest of the people in the United States? Does that sound like a wonderful country to you? Doesn't to me. Sounds like a cesspool. I don't want to live in a cesspool. Some people do because they uh, they like the power that they get. Just like some people, again, like I mentioned in previous episodes, some people lust after the tyrant and they lust after tyranny. They like it. They enjoy it. They enjoy watching people get crushed by the system. There's something about it that they enjoy. But that's not why we're here. We're here because we like the opposite. We like everybody to have a voice. And so did John Adams. And that's why he was talking about the inspiration to build this country and the balance that was created and how wonderful that balance was. You know, you have you have the population represented in the House of Representatives and the legislature, and that's fine. The people, by majority, should have a voice. But you also have the Senate, where things are equal, and the small states are just as equally represented as the big states by population. Same thing. And it's a balance. It's a beautiful balance. And we should maintain that balance. And I am inspired to do so. And that's why I'm inspired to talk about it. So Mr. Adams had Mr. Adams had a good good idea here. You know, he was on to something. And whenever I read something like that from Mr. Adams, I'm inspired to continue the podcast and, and to do the other things. Because somebody has to, you know, keep carrying the message. Mr. Adams, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Uh, he's gone. He's been gone for quite some time. 
almost 200 years now. It won't be uh, it won't be too long now, and it will reach the 200th anniversary of his passing from this world. That was a sad day because the um, the United States lost a great man. And the thing that's most saddening about it is that we will never get him back. There will never be another John Adams in the United States of America ever. He was he was truly one of a kind, uh, one in a million, one in a billion, one in a trillion. I don't know what it is, but he was certainly one of a kind. Whatever it was that created John Adams probably will never create another one ever again. And that's unfortunate for us because we could really benefit from that kind of counsel today. Uh, this country has seemingly lost a sense of itself. That is to say, the United States has. I think people overseas recognize that more than people in the United States do. I hear it a lot from people overseas, that the United States is not what it's supposed to be. I don't hear it from everybody overseas. I mean, because frankly speaking, there's a lot of people overseas, that is to say, outside the United States, that are blind as a bat, metaphorically speaking. But there's a lot of them that have a very clear vision of what the United States should be, because they have this, um, they have an appreciation of what the Founding Fathers did. You know, whether they live in Europe or Asia, Africa, wherever, doesn't matter. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who look to the United States and they, they, they find inspiration in what the Founding Fathers did in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights. And they try to move their own country in that direction as well. We've seen that over the, over the last 200 years, haven't we? Yes, we have. I mean, one by one in Europe, the monarchies were deposed, were they not? I mean, France was living under a monarchy. That's gone. Russia was living under a monarchy. That's gone. Of course, they were, for a while there, they replaced it with a different kind of monarchy, you know, from 1917 to the early 1990s. They had a, they had, they didn't call him king, but they, they, they might as well have, because it was basically the same thing. Now, they've been trying to throw that off ever since, and they've been struggling with that, and I think they still have a little bit more work to do, but for a while there, it seemed like they were moving in the right direction. I don't know about right now, but they, they seemingly were. But there's a lot of countries like that, you know, that used to have a czar or a king or something of that nature, and, and it's gone. And I think uh, there's a big reason for that is they looked to the United States and they went, you know what, that's a better idea. But unfortunately, again, yes, we don't have a Mr. Adams here to uh, to remind us of that, but the good news is we have his writings. So in, in, some, in some way, Mr. Adams is still here. He's still with us. His voice still echoes from the past. And my inspiration is to carry that voice forward, and not just his, but also that of General Washington, Dr. Franklin, Samuel Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and so many more that we are going to talk about on this podcast. We're not just going to talk about Mr. Adams, and I know some of you folks may be getting tired of Mr. Adams by now, and it's honestly, we're not going to be on Mr. Adams for much longer. Here in the next, oh, couple of months or so, we're going to transition away from Mr. Adams, and we're going to start trending towards other folks. We've spent a lot on Mr. Adams because of, during this particular period of time, Mr. Adams had had a lot of really good things to say that I felt were very, very important. And we just had to talk about them. I can't, I can't gloss over it. And so did Abigail Adams, for that matter, his wife. I mean, she had a lot. And, and a lot of people that Adams was corresponding with, Mr. Tudor, Mr. William Tudor, a fantastic voice from the Founding Fathers, also had a lot to say, and he corresponded a lot with Mr. Adams. They, they corresponded for decades. We haven't heard the last of Mr. William Tudor, by the way. He's going to keep coming up. But yes, the, the writings of Mr. Adams inspire me perhaps more than more than others, but uh, I am definitely inspired by many others as well, including Dr. Franklin and Samuel Adams and, uh, and Abigail Adams and, and the like. But um, we will 
continue on in this podcast, you know, inspired as I am, and I hope you are as well, inspired to continue listening to the podcast. And again, my, my apologies for, for not cranking out as many ep- new episodes as I would like in recent weeks and months, but uh, the last few months have been very difficult schedule-wise for me to be able to do this. But like I said, things are trending back towards the, uh, you know, the old schedule again, and I've gotten back into the research. I should start being able to crank out episodes, long-form episodes again here fairly shortly. Uh, next week, I'm kind of aiming for maybe next week. Uh, I'm starting to put together an episode that's going to be a long-form episode, and I think maybe it'll happen next week if everything goes well. But it, it may be pushed a week, possibly. But uh, there's there's a lot of work to be done there. And I want to thank you all so very, very much for coming along with me on the podcast and being inspired to just be here on our study group. And so I can share this information with you from Mr. Adams. Writings like we talked about today where he was inspired by, you know, the the Constitution of the United—and honestly, the state constitutions as well. Mr. Adams had an appreciation for the various constitutions of the United States. It's not just one. It's important to always remember those state constitutions. They're very important. It's important to know that the United States of America was intended to be, you know, a union. It's a union of the several states. And those state identities—we've talked about the state identities before—are very, very important. Each state has its own personality— And I like that about the United States, and I despise people who try to change that. Again, it's it's amazing the way the United States was formed up, you know, different personalities, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. We talked about that in a previous episode. John Adams remarked about how the personality of Pennsylvania was very different from that of Massachusetts, and he didn't like it. He liked Massachusetts. And so when he was done in Congress, he went right back to Massachusetts, back to where he knew and where he was happy. So let's uh, let's keep talking about that. Let's keep talking about the uh, the inspiration of the United States of America from the founding fathers in the form of the various constitutions of the United States, the Bill of Rights, etc. This is all very good stuff, and I'm happy to talk about it. You know, the, the the Constitution is a very inspirational document to a lot of people. I think it is to me certainly, and especially again the Bill of Rights. I've spent quite a bit of time talking about that in recent episodes. The Bill of Rights, that is, uh, for very specific reasons, mostly because you know it's it's fun to talk about it once in a while, especially now. I think, like I said, I think there the United States has lost touch with it for some reason. I can't figure out exactly why. But it's definitely lost touch with the Bill of Rights, and it's it's taken for granted, and it's, well, it's actually worse than being taken for granted. It's being kind of trampled upon, and it's it's very disturbing. But I think, you know, hopefully the United States will get past this phase that it's in, and, and all of us can participate in a... Uh, a rallying around the the Bill of Rights like we used to do. And part of that is talking about it, like we do on this podcast. So thank thank you for joining me for that discussion, all of these discussions that we have. I certainly hope to see you folks on the next episode of this podcast so that we can talk more about the writings of uh, the Founding Fathers and get back into the letters again, like uh, like we mean to do. And like I said, my research is back up and running now. I am back into uh, doing my full research like I used to do, so we will will definitely be seeing some long-form episodes in the not-too-distant future. And with all that said, this is Roman signing off. Thank you.